welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And if you're listening and thinks things sound a bit different, they do. Um, no Gene, no Dave today. Instead, we have a special guest. Our special guest is a historic figure. Uh, I say to probably try to embarrass her, but not to not to undersell her. Uh, today, we're joined by Jessica Platt. For those of you who do not know Jessica Platt, she is the first openly trans woman to play women's professional hockey. Um, she has appeared in slash co-authored a book with uh, Uncle Bob McKenzie. Um, she is currently associated with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, previously had played in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Uh, without further ado, let me welcome uh, Jessica Platt to Potadelphia. Hi, thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm so, so glad you invited me. I'm very happy to hear uh, have you here. Um, I've been a fan for a while. Um, for those who don't know, the Canadians Women's Hockey League um, predated the National Women's Hockey League. It was the only game in town for a while. And then the National Women's Hockey League came about. Unfortunately, the Canadians Women's League has folded. But you came on my radar when you when you came out. Um, I'm sure I knew your name before because I did follow it. Um, but Toronto wasn't my hometown team. But then I I followed your career. Uh, I've been a fan, and I'm really just just happy to to welcome you here today. So, with all that being said, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history to hockey, and your relationship with hockey? Well, my history in hockey goes way back. Uh, like a lot of Canadian kids, I started playing hockey about three or four years old on ice rink on the ice rink in our backyard. And since then I've been in love with the game. Um, I grew up playing boys hockey. I played travel hockey my whole life, um, you know, traveling around the Southwestern Ontario region to, to play for my city. And, um, you know, it was really my passion. It was something I loved to do. Um, whenever I was on the ice, everything, you know, it felt easy to me. Everything, Everything in my head went away. All I thought about was the game. And I just kind of, I felt like my body knew what to do when I was playing. Mm -hmm. um, as I started getting older, um, the locker room setting, uh, you know, everyone was going through puberty. I didn't quite feel like I fit in. And, you know, I put on, I put on a front of who I thought that I needed to be mm -hmm. because hockey told me that's who I needed to be. Anyone who was seen as different was, you know, made fun of, ridiculed. They were, they were kind of an outcast. So, um, you know, I pretended to be someone else for a very long time. And uh, eventually I got to the point where it was time to quit playing hockey or um, join a beer league. And, you know, I tried one year of beer league because I wasn't quite ready to let hockey go because, um, you know, it had been good to me, but outside of hockey, it's not good to me. Uh, so it's kind of a complicated relationship. Sure. So after that one year of beer league, I quit playing, uh, stopped playing for about seven, eight years to find happiness in my life. Um, you know, I knew I was transgender. I knew I wanted to transition, but I didn't know how to go about any of that. So I really started to pursue that. And, um, you know, I transitioned and 
uh, near the end of my transition, I got a job uh, teaching kids how to skate and play hockey, and that really rekindled my love for the sport. And uh, uh, when I got to a place where I felt comfortable in locker room settings, and I just I just really wanted to play again, so I joined a local women's league, uh, played that summer, and then you know I had a desire to take care of my body and really try and be the best player I could, so. I decided to work as hard as I could, and I tried out for the CWHL. I didn't make the team my first year. I played four games on their reserve roster, and then I made the Furies the next year, and I was on there for two years. Uh, the league folded, uh, and then so we started the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, uh, which is comprised of... Um, probably most of the best women's hockey players in the world. I say most of because there's a lot of great players overseas. There's a lot of great players in the NWHL, uh, but this organization consists of, you know, most of the Olympic caliber players. So, um, and, you know, with COVID, everything's kind of been up in the air now. Mm -hmm. Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> That's putting it one way, yeah. Um, you know, everything has been, been thrown in upheaval with, with COVID and the, the professional women's hockey players association was really starting. I, I don't want to say make in-grounds because there's been growth since, but I noticed this sort of barnstorming, um, tour, the dream gap tour. Yeah. Um, it came here to, to Philadelphia. It um, it was all over the place. Like if you missed it in the Philadelphia one, it's like okay, well you can go down to D.C. or New York, or it was just it was just everywhere. And like that, the the air went out of the balloon. Like like everything. Yeah. But if people are hearing about it, or if it sounds familiar, it's because it's it's been on national television. Um, in the States, it's been on the NHL Network and um, most recently on NBC Sportsnet. Um, it was also on Television Canada, correct? Yeah, it was on, uh, it was on Sportsnet in Canada. Yeah. And like you say, you're playing with, you know, the company you keep at the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which is a mouthful. Um, yeah. But the company that you, that you keep, these are mostly the Olympians. You know, you have people like... Nora Ratty, um, you know, famous, famous Finnish goalie who almost, you know, won a, a silver medal by herself. You know, you have Hillary Knight, you have um, no longer Megan Duggan, uh, she retired, but, um, you know, you have all these great names. And I think about the, the history that you're partaking in now. So, so Jessica, do you feel that? Do you feel like you're on the the precipice of what's going to be, you know, the first great chapter in whatever professional women's hockey league stands the test of time? Yeah, I think this is definitely the start of something great. Um, you know, everyone, so many people are just taking a stand right now for women's sports, and it's really incredible to see. Um, these people know like the people I play with, the people that work with the PWHPA and the NWHL and everyone, they, they know the product they have, they know the product they can put out and they know that it will be a success. They just 
you know, the, it's the starting point. So mm -hmm. we're getting there and hopefully, hopefully it comes a little quicker than, uh, than uh, hopefully it just, hopefully it comes quick. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so too. Um, I'm certainly, you know, passionately invested in it um, as much as anybody. Um, well, not, not you, not the players, but, but as a, from a fan's perspective, I'm certainly heavily invested in it. And I really do, I get this feeling that, you know, people like yourself, um, you know, people like uh, Hillary Knight or uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, um, Daryl Watts, it's go Sarah Nurse, it's going to be almost like in whatever great book is written about the history of women's hockey, we're in chapter somewhere between one to three. Yeah. And it really does feel like, you know, maybe you're not going to be the one that sets all the records or or holds them all. You know, we might not be talking to Gretzky, but maybe we're talking to Rocket Richard. You know, maybe, maybe we're that level of history there. And... For for me, that's exciting. I just I wondered often, you know, when you're out on the ice with some of these great players, and and when they're out on the ice with you. I mean, you're 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 history making as well. We've already talked about it. Do, do you ever stop and take a moment and go, "Wow, this is special. Wow, this is historic." Um. Well, normally when we're on the ice, you know, I'm just focusing on the game. I'm focusing. I just. I just want to do the best I can in in the moment. Um, it's usually after where I think that this can really be something. Like uh, last year during the Toronto Dream Gap Tour, the second one, we were playing um, at the at the arena that Ryerson University in Toronto plays at, which is in the building for the old Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was just it was amazing. We had, so many fans there to watch us and we were like this is the start we're gonna have bigger bigger arenas filled with more people and you know someone some girl some young girl in the future is going to be able to do this as a career do this full-time not to have to have a full-time job as well as training they're going to be able to put everything into it and you know with that kind of training and all the resources they can put together such an incredible product. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I really believe that's true. I really hope that's true and that we're building to something. And you mentioned about, you know, young women watching the game and seeing a future for themselves. That takes me back to something that you said with your relationship to hockey and how it was this freeing place for you up until when it wasn't. And that you felt like yourself on the ice up until you felt like you had to be somebody else. And there is this thing about hockey that's a double-edged sword. It's something that we really, hockey people hold on to. It's like team above self. And it's great on paper, except for really what it can do to, to somebody who is different, who does stand out. When, when you were adopting this persona, what were you thinking about? Were you thinking about these, these team cultures? Were you thinking about, I'm trans and I don't want to be? 
were, were you thinking about, hey, this is how to be just be popular amongst my friends, be popular amongst these guys? Um, well, I was never really popular amongst those guys. I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of hid in the corner. I was that quiet kid. Um, but it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't great when I was putting on the persona. I was just being who I thought I needed to be to get through the day. Um, yeah. I was never, I was never really truly happy or anything. It didn't drive me to want to train, take care of my body. Like sometimes I think how far I could have gone had I done the training I do now, had I done that before. But I mean, that's something you can't really think about. I'm happy now. And that's means everything to me. Yeah. And I, I, that that's a mindset I try to keep as much as I can. It's so easy to regret and go, oh, if I did this sooner, oh, if I did that, or or whatever the case may be, we wouldn't be the people we are today exactly. without everything we've, we've done in the past. And it's, you know, you had mentioned you're Canadian, and it's a, a big difference between hockey culture in Canada and in the U.S., not so much on teams, on teams, you know, especially young men's teams, there is this mindset that's almost borrowed from, you know, the seriousness of, of how Canada takes their hockey. But for me, as a, you know, a young queer kid who was in the closet, and I found my refuge in, in theater, I found it in the arts, because sports just weren't wasn't welcoming it wasn't where I wanted to be but hockey fandom was hockey fandom because it's not as popular as football or baseball or basketball or probably NASCAR maybe lacrosse in the United <laughs> States because because it's not as popular hockey fans tended to be your own sort of freaks and geeks and it, that the fandom was a welcoming place for me, but the actual playing of it, the actual, you know, that team mindset, that th those sorts of demons were present there as well. Whereas the fan base in the U.S. does tend to be more diverse, more mm, sort of more accepting. <laughs> yeah. In Canada, for me, it was kind of everyone. Everyone loved hockey, so the fan base was pretty much your average people, the people you would yeah. find playing, because most of the people I knew played hockey as well. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah, that's a, that's a big difference uh, between Canada and the states. Um, you know, we talk about playing sports, and we talk about it being a validating thing for for the people who are allowed to play. Unfortunately, something that's going on right now in the United States, and I haven't seen it as much in Canadian headlines, but granted, I don't I don't pay as close attention to Canadian headlines, but it was certainly something that happened in Britain um, and has now unfortunately been exported to the States, this idea that trans people, trans women, trans girls playing sports is a threat to cisgender girls. And just a quick definition for people who do not know the terminology. Um, Transgender means um, at your birth, you were assumed to be one gender. Some say you were assigned one gender, but you started your life on one path and then found yourself, found your true self, and transitioned 
to the, the person you really are. Cisgender means, you know, they presumed this person to be a boy or a girl at birth, and they got it right. So cisgender, that's what that means. So that's that term that we're using here. But this idea that trans women, trans girls are a threat to cisgender girls in sports. What are, it's a loaded question, but what are, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings when this, this reaches, you know, a discussion point? Um, well, first of all, I think that, you know, trans girls being trans girls and trans women being a threat to cisgender women in sports is ridiculous. Um, you know, having gone through all the changes that I have, I know firsthand the, you know, the difference that the hormone replacement therapy and everything takes on your body. I know that, you know, when I was not training, not doing anything, um, I was in a grade 10 weightlifting class and I was bench pressing as much as I do, I would do now after having trained like four or five days a week um, for two years. Uh, so I can, I, I know exactly the toll that it takes on the body and it really evens the playing field. Um, I think a lot of the people who really push these anti-trans narratives are people who don't understand. They don't look at this. They don't look at what happens to people. They don't look at all the, you know, rules and regulations and guidelines that people have to follow. Um, they think that someone can just one day turn turn around and be like, I identify as a woman and compete in the women's categories when that's not the case. Um, they have to, you know, follow certain guidelines and regulations to compete fairly. And then, you know, they think that they can just the next day be like, oh, I competed as a man again kind of thing. And they think that people just want to, they just want to compete as, you know, they think that people might want to just compete as a woman so they can win or they can dominate a sport when, you know, I never transitioned to dominate a sport or play professional hockey. I had given hockey up completely. Um, I transitioned to be happy. Uh, you know, I, I risk violence, threats, verbal abuse. I, risk rejection from my family, from my friends, um, you know, harassment, anything, all, all those terrible things. And, you know, I risked all that just to be happy with who I was and being able to come back to sport was, you know, just something I felt lucky to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so happy that you have been able to find a home with hockey again to find that affirmation to to play hockey as jessica yeah. to 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 not have it be a, a casualty of your past but have it be part of your future and i i really think you express it so well what being trans means and how how kind of ludicrous it would be to suggest that somebody's going to go, oh, I'm I'm a trans woman, so I can dominate women's sports for all the prestige and money, um, you know, which doesn't exist. I mean, I mean prestige exists, but maybe a little prestige, like not nearly on the men's level, but no, no money. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I so I mean the the goal, the end goal is kind of wonky at best. And then also just cisgender men, you know, straight cisgender men don't want to live their lives as women. And no. it, it's just such a you know, made up problem in search of unfortunately very real solutions. You know, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I, I just wanted to really reiterate what how you said there and, and what you said, it really does speak to the, the fundamental trans experience of how much you're risking, how much you potentially are giving up just to be happy, just to be yourself. And it's not an intellectual process. It is a, it's a visceral process. If you could think it away, you probably would. <laughs> <laughs> I tried for years, but I, mean, I, I had to come to terms with who I am and learn to love myself, right? Yeah, it's, uh, and as I mean, I, I was being sort of facetious and funny about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing this now with our listeners, that this is who I am. And it was a process to get here. And it was all worth it. <laughs> you know, that there there's a there's a lot there's a lot let's leave it at that but it was all worth it to get to this day to be able to share my experiences with our listeners to share your experiences with them and and ju and just to be open and to be honest and hopefully maybe someone listens to this and goes well i never thought of that or i never knew that or this isn't so strange or so foreign or nefarious it's just people yeah, like we're, we're just people. We're just like everyone else. We might have slightly different experiences, but we're we're all human, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's end on two lighter notes. Um, <laughs> in our little bit of a pre-show interview, Jessica let something slide that I unfortunately do have to bring up now. <laughs> Jessica is a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And in spite of that, um, I decided to carry on with the interview. But being from Ontario, how and why Pittsburgh? Have you ever been? You know, they put French fries on sandwiches there. Didn't know that. That sounds gross. Um, but <laughs> Pittsburgh, um, you know, I I loved watching Mario Lemieux play back in the day. Um, it was great when he came back. And then, you know, Sidney Crosby is just unreal you can like him or hate him as a person or a player but you can't deny the talent he's he's amazing and as well my favorite player is Chris Letang I really kind of identify with how he plays the game and I see myself in you know a similar type of similar type of player I don't know why Letang paints me the most um <laughs> Lemieux, I mean, Lemieux had a great moment in our city um, when he came back, um, first came back from cancer, was in Philadelphia, the standing ovation. So we we came around on him. And Sydney is great. He's a wonderful player. He's got his Stanley Cups. I think he should move to a front office role or something, or at least not play for Canada as well. Um, <laughs> just, just get him out of my life so I can appreciate him more. But Letang, I think, bothers me because when he got his most recent contract, I laughed at it. I'm like, they're way overpaying Chris Letang. And I can't tell you how many games I watch as a Flyers fan and just go like, oh, Letang, you're killing me. Like, 
is just a sneaky good player and just you know uh, I play defense as well and it's just why is he always in the right spot why does he choose the you know it's a two-on-one breakaway and he's aggressive when you know the passes there just just sit back and wait for the pass I don't know Latang personally hurts me but <laughs> that's fair but I mean we all have our own opinions yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is, you know, Gritty is a international treasure, and you're you're welcome to enjoy Gritty's Gritty's Gritty love and sunshine as well. <laughs> and lastly, I mentioned it before, but you um, are featured in and wrote a uh, part of a book with Bob McKenzie. Yeah, uh, the Everyday Hockey Heroes Volume Two. Um, you know, they contacted me to hopefully share my story and. You know, we talked a little bit and I wrote the chapter for, well, for my chapter and uh, it, was an, it was an amazing experience to work with, to work with the team at Simon & Schuster and to be featured in Bob McKenzie's book. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's, I, I can't, for those who don't understand what an institution Bob McKenzie is, I have a hard time thinking of an, an American equivalent He's like an intelligent John Madden. He is he 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 doesn't provide play by play, but he is affectionately known as Uncle Bob. He's you know if Bob McKenzie tells me that it is raining and I see the sunshine, I'm going to assume that I am wrong. So, <laughs> how was it for you, you know, as a Canadian hockey fan and Canadian hockey player, to to work with Bob McKenzie? Uh, well, unfortunately, I didn't do a lot of, I didn't do much direct work with Bob McKenzie, but to be involved in a project that he's involved with is, it's really amazing because, you know, you see him all the time, um, you know, pr providing analysis on hockey games, you know, in between periods, pretty much every single day. And to be involved in a project that he was involved with is, you know, just, I feel, I feel lucky. Well, I feel very lucky to have you here today. Um, this has been a, a great experience for me. Um, thank you for being on the inaugural episode of what's going to be a new generation for Potadelphia and, and Fresh Start. Um, for the people listening, we'll be back in your live streams uh, Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. That's going to continue. Um, but once again, my sincere thanks to Jessica Platt. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter. You can follow her on Insta Instagram if you want to feel bad that you're not working out enough. Um, but 100% my pleasure. It's It's been wonderful to speak to you, Jessica. Thank you. It's been an honor to be your inaugural guest. <laughs> <laughs>